and there's intimacy on the radio and there's naturalness on the radio that can never be replicated on TV. The marvelous resurgence of radio as a political force in this country. News-related radio programming is evolving. There's a huge hole in our dialogue that can be filled by the synthesis of traditional radio and the freedom that comes from a live podcast. You're about to experience Cowboy State Politics Live. Here we go. my friends and welcome to yet another incredible installment of cowboy state politics live i of course am your illustrious host david iverson firmly ensconced behind the silver cowboy state politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the cowboy state politics northern command studio in sheridan wyoming well good morning my friends and welcome to the program We begin this morning with a little tooting of my own horn. Nobody else is going to do it, so you should always toot your own. Podcasts are all about numbers. Well, actually, just about everything is about numbers. Podcasts specifically so, and the numbers mean a heck of a lot. So just yesterday, Cowboy State Politics achieved 10,000 downloads in a month. Now, I know compared to some national broadcasts, that's not a lot. But in the state of Wyoming, that's a huge number. Right now, Cowboy State Politics has 187,000 downloads year. Well, that's uh, that's program wide. So the program is growing. And just to give you an idea of how how much it's grown in the last year, in the previous two years, in the first two years of the program, there was only 100,000 downloads. And thus far in a year, and we've still got, let's see here, September, October, November, December, four months to go. Uh, we've already we've already got 87,000 downloads. So that's a huge number. And all of it is thanks to you. Uh, we couldn't do it without the audience of Cowboy State Politics. And I have to tell you, um, you, you wouldn't have any idea what it's like to be able to sit behind a microphone and talk to a big audience whenever you want to know that people are actually listening to you and that they value your opinion. So uh, thank you very much. So a little celebratory music. Okay, okay, I guess you get the point. The first news story we're going to start with today is something that was just posted not that long ago. It would seem that the library controversy continues on. In fact, CNN let the fired Gillette librarian falsely claim her library had no sexually explicit content. 
And I quote, Terry Leslie was recently fired from her position as director of the Campbell County Public Library System in Wyoming. And on Thursday, she joined CNN this morning to talk about it. There, she was allowed to falsely state that none of the books, let me repeat that, none of the books in the library contained any sexually explicit material. Now, let me remind you, there's books such as Lawn Boy. Yeah, that's the one that uh, has graphic pedophilia between two fourth grade boys. That None of that is sexual. And then there's Gender Queer. Um, no, no, that, that graphic novel, none of it is sexual, except, of course, that it gives specific instructions on how to, how to seduce your little brother, has graphic depictions of oral and anal sex. Um, yeah, none of that is sexual. So says Terry Leslie. In fact, here she is in her own words. For people who are trying to contextualize what's happening, because it seems like a pretty mass escalation over a short period of time related to a library and books, um, the concerns about sexually explicit content and its availability to minors or to, to younger people, what kind of books were these? Why is there any merit to those concerns? Um, there is nothing in the library that could be classified as pornography in any way, shape or form. We do have um, some sex education books and um, biology books, things like that, and um, that are, you know, are important for um, for youth to have access to in case they have questions. Um, there were some LGBTQ themes in these books, and I, and I felt like the LGBTQ part of that was, was a big part of what the complaints from the public were about. For people, yeah, none of it was sexually explicit. But you know, I mean, there's some educational books. That's about it. There's a good reason why Terry Leslie was fired, and rightfully so. As you could hear in the audio soundbite, she was having difficulty lying about it because she herself knows that there were sexually explicit books in that library. Now, I want to I strike a, a, a distinction here. You see, when I was in high school, there was a big debate over whether or not the anarchist cookbook should be in, in the library. This was, over, this was in Buffalo. That's where I graduated high school. And there was there was a big discussion as to whether or not um, that book should be allowed. And the li the head librarian at the county library made the decision to keep the book on its shelves. The difference being that it was not in the children's section of the library. It was over in the adult section. That's a big difference. Now, I know it's probably only, you know, 10 or 20 yards distance between the two. Um, but there's a big difference between providing open open information to people that want to look at it, both good and bad, and providing indoctrination materials in the children's section of the library. And the books that I mentioned and many others uh, are straight up indoctrination. So for CNN to let Terry Leslie on the program is absolutely wrong. Uh, I'm going to try to get an interview with Terry Leslie and see, see if she'll come on the program. Uh, don't get your hopes up. In our top story this morning from Breitbart, James Comer demands the NARA provide all documents for VP Biden's pseudonym, Robert L. Peters. First of all, why does the vice president of the United States need to use a pseudonym? Um, because he don't want anybody to know what he's doing. From the article, and I quote, House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer demanded Thursday that the National Archives and Records Administration, NARA, 
hand over all documents and communications in which then Vice President Joe Biden used pseudonyms such as Robert Peters, Robin Ware, and J.R.B. Ware. Comer listed the pseudonyms in a letter to NARA in which he demanded access to then Vice President Joe Biden's documents and communications regarding official duties that overlapped with his son's activities in Ukraine. One of these emails, Comer says the committee has already seen, includes an attachment with the vice president's schedule indicating that he had spoken by phone to then Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko. The email was sent to a Robert L. Peters and carbon copied to the vice president's son, Hunter Biden. As if anyone believes that, that these pseudonyms are anybody other than Joe Biden. Joe Biden was the designated foreign policy point person to Ukraine during the Obama administration. The House Oversight Committee argues that Joe Biden threatened to withhold U.S. aid uh, from Ukraine if they didn't fire the prosecutor. Everybody remembers that little thing, don't they? I mean, it's all of it goes back to everything that Joe Biden has done in the last few years. And I, it, it's amazing that any of us um, would would be able to forget any of that. And yet the Biden administration, they continue to play it off like, uh, you know, it's no big thing. Don't worry. Nothing to see here. Not a big deal. And, you know, I I, I don't have too much more to say about it other than uh, our president is corrupt. He's involved in foreign b business dealings with his son, Hunter. And I mean, other than that, I don't think that there's too much more to it. I mean, there's going to be a lot of spin coming from the White House, even though, I mean, that's kind of what they do on a daily basis. But this is just further evidence that the that the president of the United States was and perhaps is involved in illegal money laundering, where he's taking money from foreign countries um, in a quid pro quo. Everybody remembers that phrase uh, to give them special treatment and the um, you know, that he he forced them to fire a prosecutor is just evidence of that. I mean, he, he flat said that if you don't fire the prosecutor, uh, he's going to take his six or his uh, billion dollars and leave. Here he is saying it. Um, I remember going over convincing our team or <coughs> others to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess the 12th, 13th time to Kiev and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had they were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, nah. I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid. Son of a bee. They fired him. I don't know how much more evidence you need. Now, on the other hand, I mean, you have, on the one side, you've got Joe Biden, who committed all sorts of money laundering. I mean, and, and anybody that denies that is is frankly being intellectually dishonest. I mean, there are there are numerous, right, more than numerous occasions where the Treasury Department flagged activities from Hunter Biden, um, taking money in and then dispersing it to a variety of shell companies. And then mysteriously, 
that money ends up in the bank accounts of Biden family members. So, uh, yeah, that's money laundering. Now, compare that to what President Trump is being accused of. There was no, another indictment released uh, yesterday, and this one you've got you've absolutely got to read it for yourself. It, it's it's absolutely incredible. In an article by The Federalist entitled How Dumb is the Georgia Case? Trump indicted for tweeting to watch TV. I'm not even kidding. The Fulton County prosecutor indicted uh, Mark Meadows for soliciting phone numbers from a pair of Pennsylvania lawmakers. Quote, Meadows sent a text message to United States Representative Scott Perry from Pennsylvania and stated, quote, can you send me the number for the speaker and the leader of the Pennsylvania legislature? POTUS wants to chat with them. The indictment reads, this was an overt act in furtherance of a conspiracy. Act number 22 cited in the Georgia indictment charged Trump with conspiracy for encouraging supporters to watch hearings broadcast on One American News Network. From the indictment, quote, Georgia hearings now on One American News Network. Amazing, the president tweeted. From the indictment, this was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. Act 100 of the indictment indictment faulted the president for encouraging supporters to tune into Newsmax. Act 101 listed another tweet and incur uh, that encouraged supporters to tune into Right Side Broadcasting Network as an act of conspiracy. From the indictment, this was an overt act in furtherance of a conspiracy. Act number th 38 from the criminal indictment charged Giuliani for retweeting a, quote, patriot call to action that encouraged voters to call their members of Congress, Congress to advocate for their cause. The tweet stated, Georgia patriot call to action. Today is the day we need you to call your state Senate and House reps and ask them to sign the petition for a special session. We must have free and fair elections in Georgia, and this is our only path to ensuring a legal vote is counted at real Donald Trump. From the indictment, this was an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. How about this one? Defendant David Schaefer was indicted for reserving a room at the Georgia Capitol in December of 2020. Reserving a room, which was used for a meeting of alternate presidential electors, was declared by prosecutors an overt act in furtherance of a conspiracy. Seeking signature verification is also a conspiracy. Act number 32 of the criminal indictment charged Trump for calling on Georgia state leaders to ensure signature verification and a call for a special session. According to Willis, the December 6, 2020 tweet was a overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy. And I, I'm just going to continue reading on this so you fully grasp the how ridiculous this Georgia indictment is. And, and before I go on, what exactly is a conspiracy? Well, if you and two of your buddies decide to go fishing, you're going to go out to the lake and one of you has a boat and the other has all of the specialized fishing equipment and the other has a new battery for the boat. If you make calls to each other, that's a conspiracy to go fishing. So, and now a criminal conspiracy has to be a criminal act. These are things that the mob is accused of all of the time, but there is always an underlying predicate act attached to them that you're trying to further some sort of criminal activity through the conspiracy. Tweeting that somebody should watch One America News is not a criminal act. Back to the indictment. Act number 28 of the indictment charged Trump for meeting with the Pennsylvania House Speaker to encourage a special session of the Assembly. From the indictment, 
This was an overt act in furtherance of a conspiracy, the indictment read. Act number 31 of the indictment charged Trump for making the same request to Georgia Republican Governor Brian Kemp. Act number 42 charged the former president with a felony offense for making the same request for a special session to the assembly of uh, to the Georgia House Speaker. The indictment also includes phone calls. Trump made two phone calls to President Pro Tem of the Georgia Senate, Butch Miller. The two calls, dated December 3rd and December 26th of 2020, were, <laughs> you guessed it, an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy, according to the indictment. My friends, all of this has some pretty incredible implications. I mean, just think about it. If the president can be charged with conspiracy for asking, well, for uh, saying that people should watch a particular news channel, for making a phone call, for setting up a political meeting, ask yourself, what could you be charged with? The United States code is so vast and so huge uh, that you could probably be charged with multiple felonies on a given day. Uh, there's a great book. Uh, I believe it's called Seven Felonies a Day. But most of them are things that we don't enforce. And in this case, there are no criminal acts that, you know, that the, the indictment is is driving towards. Yeah, you know, uh huh. They want to indict him for, you know, the insurrection on January 6th. And in specifically in Georgia, they want to indict him for trying to overturn the election. But in the, the indictment has to list the exact criminal acts that you're being accused of. In this case, it doesn't. Now, we're going to take a quick break. Um, but after. I've got a great article entitled Conspiracy Against the First Amendment and how all of these it, it's it's actually a fascinating read that all of these conspiracy laws actually have impacts on the First Amendment. And I think that you can see that with the counts that I read to you. But we'll take a break and then we'll do that. We'll get back to the program in just a second. But first, some completely egregious self-aggrandizement. You can listen to the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting apps. iTunes, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, really any of them will work. But the easiest way is just to go to the website, cowboystatepolitics.com. There you can find all of the shows as well as any of the articles that I might bring up during the course of a program. If your name is Sleepy Joe Biden and you're dumber than a box of rocks, well... You can go to CowboyStatePolitics.com, pull up an article, and educate yourself, just like you should have been doing before you decided to run for office. New episodes of the program are published every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning. And don't forget about the Thursday live episode that begins every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. You know, the show you're listening to right now. You can find the link at CowboyStatePolitics.com or on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. Have you been looking for a new place to advertise your business? Well, I'd suggest advertising on this program, Cowboy State Politics. It's Wyoming's most listened to podcast. Now, the difference between advertising on the radio and on a podcast is most people just have the radio playing in the background and they're not actively listening to your message. People who download a podcast are there to listen to the whole thing, so you can be sure that your message will be heard. I have a statewide platform, and no one is going to beat my advertising rates. Shoot me a message. 
the address is david at cowboystatepolitics.com. I would love to get that conversation started with you. And now, back to the program. An article by Con Carroll entitled Conspiracy Against the First Amendment. And I'm just going to read you the first couple opening paragraphs. Quote, the most important thing to know whatever you see a, whenever you see a headline about conspiracy charges is that the prosecutor has weak evidence and is trying to take a shortcut to conviction. Just ask Job- Justice Robert Jackson, who wrote in 1949, There is, of course, strong temptation to relax rigid standards when it seems the only way to sustain conviction of evildoers. But statutes authorize prosecution for substantive crimes of evildoing without the dangers to the liberty of the individual and the integrity of the judicial process that are inherent in conspiracy charges. We should disapprove the doctrine of implied or constructive crime in its entirety and in every manifestation. Our justice system is unique in the world in that you have to be proven guilty with like beyond a shadow of a doubt, beyond a reasonable doubt uh, that you actually committed a crime. That means in the words of Benjamin Franklin, that it is better that 100 guilty persons go free than one innocent person go to jail. And if the prosecutor is reaching to to create some sort of crime, by our legal standards, by the way our system was constructed, that person ought to be let go. You have to be able to prove that someone committed a crime. That's why we have investigators. That's why we collect evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that someone is is uh, is guilty of a crime. The article continues. Judge Learned Hand voiced similar concerns just nine years earlier. So we're in 1940. So many prosecutors seek to sweep within the dragnet of conspiracy all those who are associated in any degree whatsoever with the main offenders. That there are opportunities of great oppression in such a a doctrine is very plain, and it is only by circumscribing the scope of such all-comprehensive indictments that they can be avoided. What he's talking about here is guilt by association. That if you have a friend that's uh, engaged in, you know, some criminal behavior, the idea that you should be guilty, you are probably guilty because you're friends with them. That's what the conspiracy charge is all about. But that's not a that's not a legal doctrine. Now, if you're friends with somebody who's engaged in criminal activity, uh, there might be a high likelihood that you are, too. So it's worth investigating. But that does not necessarily mean that you are guilty. And if you look at the Georgia indictment, that's exactly what the prosecutor tried to do. Now, it's worth noting that not a single other prosecutor, county prosecutor, that is, signed on to that indictment in all of Georgia's counties. There was there is only the one prosecutor that filed the charges. No one else was willing to go to bat with this lady. Nobody. So it's one prosecutor in one county in Georgia. That's it. The article continues. Uh, importantly, that act can be can be extremely minor, including just a nod of the head or more recently, a single text to a lawmaker asking for another lawmaker's phone number. Now, here we're talking about President Trump um, as University of Texas law professor David Filveroff once once wrote, quote, one of the legal weapons used in the traditionally unequal conte- contest between the government and dissent has been the doctrine of criminal conspiracy. Conspiracy laws 
conspiracy law was used to convict people protesting the draft during World War I and members of the Communist Party during the Cold War. Now, I mean, those are very difficult cases. Now, everybody wants to go after Joseph McCarthy saying, you know, the Red Scare and all of his um, um, congressional hearings. Now, but as it turned out, historically, Joe McCarthy was right. There were a lot of communists that were operating within the United States, but that doesn't mean that they were guilty of a crime. Just being, you know, of of one political ideology or not or another one doesn't mean that you're committing any crime. It just means maybe you have wrongheaded thinking. That's not a crime. In the United States, uh, <laughs> we actually celebrate wrongheaded thinking. You have the right to be wrong. And I've mentioned several times on the program that when it comes to the First Amendment, the only right that you really have is to be offended. That if we don't protect speech that we completely disagree with, then you don't have free speech at all. And, and that's the whole point. That's why we have to tolerate really incendiary uh, white supremacist language. That's all protected speech. What is not protected is when you're trying to incite violence. You know, uh, you, everybody's heard the phrase, read somebody the riot act. Well, the riot act was about, riot acts were about inciting a mob to create violence, which I guess essentially is what they're trying to pin on President Trump, even though he explicitly said, march peacefully and patriotically over to the Capitol building. They always leave that one out. That in and of itself, that President Trump didn't tell anybody to do anything violent, that he specifically said not to do something. I mean, that proves that he had no intent right there. Quote, reliance on conspiracy holds a number of familiar attractions for the prosecutor, Phil Varoff continues. The application of the conspiracy label serves to brand the opposing group with an image of secrecy and evil plotting that tends to exaggerate the threat of the challenged conduct and heightens apprehensions in the latest community. The danger of using conspiracy charges in the political context is that the standard for an act in furtherance of the conspiracy is so low that virtually every person who voices support for an unpopular political cause could easily be found guilty of being part of a conspiracy. I can't tell you how many political meetings I've been in where we've been talking about political strategy. Um, there, there's one, one meeting that I call the, uh, the whiskey glass and cigar smoke meeting where we talked about strategy. Um, we were, you know, trying to plot out, pun intended, um, the way we were going to move forward, the actions that we were going to take. Everybody in that room was conspiring to further a political agenda. So did you know, did you attend the January 6th rally organized by President Do Donald J. Trump to convince Vice President, Vice President Mike Pence to block the certification of the Electoral College results? Because... Attending that rally is definitely an act in furtherance of a conspiracy, according to several of the indictments that have been filed against President Trump. What about sending a tweet also urging Pence to block certification? How is that not also an act or furtherance of a conspiracy? Have you made a post on Facebook questioning the legitimacy of the 2020 election? Have you done that? Have you said that we need to have... Uh, Paper ballots, how everything needs to be hand counted. Well, if you did any of those things, those are acts in furtherance of a conspiracy. Do you see how easily this thing snowballs? Conspiracy charges were once <laughs> were once started uh, to go after people like that are in the mob. 
But now we're using them against political political opponents. And the point of this article, when we do that, we restrict we restrict First Amendment protected political speech. You have to resist any attempt to go after it, even if you completely disagree with, uh, you know, with with the person that you're listening to. If you don't agree with them at all, you need to be you need to fight for their right to say whatever it is that they want to say. That's the beauty of the First Amendment. Let's take a quick break and then we'll get to the rest of the program. Yeah, it's still summer, but hunting season is not that far away, and it's time for you to start gearing up for it. I know, that's going to make the wife extraordinarily happy, but it has to be done. One of the best things that you can put in your hunting pack is a pair of really warm socks. And the best socks that I have ever worn are made by the Buffalo Wool Company. Most of the time, the first thing to get cold on my body are my feet. And being a diabetic like I am, I'm really, really sensitive to it. I've tried Pendleton wool socks and just about every kind of wool sock that you could possibly imagine, and nothing compares to these Buffalo Wool Company socks. To get you a pair, go to their website, thebuffalowoolco.com. Trust me, you are not going to be disappointed. Wyoming is one of the most sought-after places to live, I talk about it all the time on this program. There's a lot of people that want to move to our great state. There's beautiful mountain vistas all the way from Sheridan to Saratoga and from Hewlett all the way to Jackson. It's an amazing place, and there's a ton of people that are moving here. If you're buying or selling, you need a real estate agent with experience. The best person to talk to is Rebecca Bextel at Compass Real Estate. Last year, she sold $25 million worth of property all across the state of Wyoming, from small residential properties all the way up to giant ranches. She's lived in Jackson for 20 years and has her fingers on the pulse of the real estate market all across the state of Wyoming. So it doesn't matter what type of property you're looking for or if you're thinking about selling. Give Rebecca a call, 307-699-3519. That's Rebecca Bextel at Compass Real Estate. And now... The conclusion to our program. No one is going to say that Joe Biden hasn't told a few tall tales. He tells them all the time. Virtually nothing that comes out of that guy's mouth is the truth at all. So recently on, I believe it was on PMS NBC, he was giving a speech and they aired the entire thing. Here's just a just a taste of all the things that he was saying. Now, it was it was covered by a, a local a local television station, but and so you'll hear some of the commentators in the soundbite, but here you go. President Biden getting called out again after repeating some of his now debunked Oops. tall tales. This one's on Fox and Friends. That's another soundbite I was thinking out about. Including the circumstances of his birth, his father's education, and his interactions with an Amtrak, con Amtrak conductor, to name just a few. 
My grandpa Biden died very young. He was died in the hospital I was born in six days before I was there, before I was born. My dad was a high school educated guy, was well read and worked like hell. He didn't have a chance to go to college. As having been listed as the poorest man in Congress for 36 years, true. My wife called me one day and said, did you read the paper today? And I was up campaigning for a guy named Pat Leahy in Vermont. I said, no, honey, I didn't see the woman with the paper. He said, headline, above the fold. Only a politician's wife would say that. Biden, poorest man in Congress. Is that true? One of the senior guys in Amtrak, who I rode with the whole time, comes up and goes, Joey, baby, grabs my cheek. I swear to God. All of those false. Where's Glenn, Glenn Kessler? Can't even say his name. The Washington Post fact checker when you need him must be napping. The president went on to tell another tall tale, this time the success of Bidenomics. In case you haven't noticed, inflation is down too and it's going lower. We've done more. We've done, we have more to do with inflation though. It's just about 3% now. It's predicted to go lower than that. Wages are growing faster than inflation. Folks, that's Bidenomics. Okay, okay. That's enough of that. Virtually nothing that guy says is, is actually true. One of his campaigns for president was derailed because it was revealed that he had plagiarized well, he gave, I think he gave two speeches and parts of the speech of uh, both speeches were exact copies of one of them was from a, an English politician and another one was from, I believe it was a JFK speech. Uh, but the guy is, is, a, is a habitual liar. I mean, from plagiarism to just all of his tall tales. Now we might say, well, you know, he is off his rocker and all of those are probably gaffes. Mm, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But the point here is that he's up in front of a bunch of people saying things that just aren't true. And when you're the president of the United States, um, people like <laughs> they used to hinge on your every word. I remember when, um, you know, before President Clinton, the president could move the stock market by one sentence. One sentence that was said wrong, uh, he could influence just about everything. It's not the case anymore. President Joe Biden says things that are not true all of the time, and we've kind of grown accustomed to it. And so, I mean, that goes directly to our, our country's credibility that nobody believes what the president of the United States is saying anymore because he lies so often. Now, you might be tempted to say, well, maybe maybe those are just gaffes. Like I said, he is getting old and he's a bit off his rocker. But compare what I just played to you to this. Now, I've got this whole montage I put together of some of his gaffes. We won't listen to the whole thing, uh, but I'll just play some of them. And you tell me if they're the same thing. There's a lot of reason to be hopeful in 2020. But for God's sake, please take advantage of what's available. He said those words on January 4th, 2022. And here he is reading the directions off the teleprompter. It is noteworthy that the percentage of women who register to vote and cast a ballot is consistently higher than the percentage of the men who do so. End of quote. Repeat the line. Women are not without electoral and or political or, or maybe precise, not and or or political power. The first frost, you know what was happening. It had to put on their windshield wipers to get literally the oil slick off the window. 
That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. This is the United States Camara, for God's sake. And the person he's talking about in this one is dead. I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here. Uh, Mr. President, thank you. You know, the needs of this are very to live to live and not having the money to pay for it. Not a joke. Think about it. Think about what you'd think about. You're going to have make that all cement. You're going to use that as basis to build on because you need security. You need stability for what you have. on t- And you're going to build up stories beyond. I mean, this is incredible. You know, our natural wonders uh, are, uh, you know, inspire and the reflection inspires our to take action. You know, um, uh, America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the foot, uh, foot, excuse me, the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping. Okay, you get the idea, but again, ask yourself. Is what I just played for you, is that the same thing as the lies that he was telling from the other soundbite? I would argue that that it's not. One of them, he's intentionally misleading you. The other, he just doesn't know what planet he's on. So this, again, this goes to our country's credibility. Now, why exactly is the media covering all this up? Well, Joe Biden allows them to do just about whatever they want allows the Democrats to do whatever they want to do with our country, and they have to keep him in power so they can continue doing that. And so they trump up a lot of charges, no pun intended, on all sorts of different people, and they have to use conspiracy to do it. That's the only way that they can cast uh, cast aspersions on the other side, that, oh, you tweeted something and said somebody should meet you for, meet you for coffee. Up oh, conspiracy! But it has far larger implications, specifically for those people who choose to tell the truth, like me. Now, I'm as, as far as things go, I'm a little fish in a big giant pond. But there are other people that uh, they're straight up being censored. Take, for example, Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck has probably, um, next to Sean Hannity, those are probably the two biggest radio programs in the country, A couple of days ago, Apple removed all 3,300 podcasts from Apple iTunes, and they didn't give give him any reason for doing so. From his website, and I quote, conservative commentator Glenn Beck has claimed uh, that Apple Podcasts removed his show from the platform without any warning or reason. In a video posted to X, formerly Twitter, I don't know how fond I am of the whole name X, Anyway, on Wednesday, I guess this was yesterday, Beck said that roughly 1,900 episodes of his show, The Glenn Beck Program, were removed from the Apple Podcast platform without explanation. Quote, all of my podcasts have been removed from Apple iTunes with no explanation. In the video, Beck said that he received a message from Apple that said, we found an issue with the Glenn Be- with, uh, with your Glenn Beck claims. Apple Podcast removed shows from the platform. The Glenn Beck program, which must be resolved before it's available on Apple Podcasts. Your show has been removed from Apple Podcasts. Beck added that Apple sent us a link and said, for more details, go to the link. And the link only says, your show has been removed from Apple Podcasts. Well, we got that one, dummy. Beck had no idea why Apple would remove his show, noting that 
he never received a strike or a warning or anything. This is, by definition, a public-private partnership. You have large companies like Apple colluding with the government to further a political agenda. Now, undoubtedly, the people that run all of these individual companies, Apple, Amazon, or what have you, have their own political inclinations. But we're moving into a space where political speech can be moved just by a keystroke. That is, delete with Glenn Beck's podcast. So if if the current administration can tell a company to remove, and I'm not saying that this actually happened, though it wouldn't surprise me, if they can tell a company to remove all of somebody's podcast, what, what can they do to you? What could they do to this program? There have been many times where I've been very, very critical, uh, most of the time of state politicians, and admittedly, they don't have the power to remove any of the episodes on this program. But what if they could? What if the what if their influence extended to other forms of social media? My friends, we're not that far away from that. All of this is censorship. And it's again, it begins at the top with the Democrats saying that, you know, we have to censor political speech. How many stories have you have you heard or read, heard about or read where individual tweets were deleted or people were removed from platform simply because of something that they said. A lot of them. I mean, there's there's lots of instances that have been uncovered by Congress where uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, before Elon Musk took over, were, uh, I mean, there were lots of posts deleted. So all of this, the conspiracy charges against President Trump, the censorship of people like Glenn Beck and others, and eventually, perhaps, people like me and you. Now, let me ask you this. How easy is it to post something on Facebook and have it removed? It's pretty darn easy, and it doesn't take very long. I posted something that, and I think I was talking about uh, that Rapinoe lady from the U.S. women's soccer team. I The only thing my tweet said is she should absolutely be fired, and the tweet was removed. And I was given a warning and I think it was like a 12-hour suspension, which is nothing, uh, because that was considered violent. Getting fired, I mean, I guess personally you could you could say that that's a violent act, but, you know, I mean, it doesn't rise to the level of inciting anything. So we're moving into a space where even your own personal speech can be censored. And again, it all comes from the top. It's to push a political agenda um, that... The only way that they can that they can get their policies through is through censorship. Coming up, I've got a whole bunch of more stuff on Biden. In fact, he doesn't want to talk about what's been happening in Maui. And I've got some sound bites for you. So we'll do that after the last break. We'll finish up the program in just a second. But first, one more absolutely obscene profit timeout. Welcome to Cowboy State Politics Lessons in Self-Serving Gentlemanly Conduct. Lesson number one, the salon. Now, gentlemen, we all know that our better halves like their hair to look just right. And let's be honest, it helps us out too. We do like looking at attractive ladies. 
Now, the best place that that wife of yours can go to is to the Bombshell Studio in Sheridan. Christine Sturdivant is the only Redken specialist in Sheridan. So if your better half needs a new do or she just wants a touch-up on the one that she has, call Christine Sturdivant. Her phone number is 307-752-4844. That's the Bombshell Studio. This has been Cowboy State Politics, Self-Serving Lessons in Gentlemanly Conduct. Do you like hot wings? Yeah, me too. In fact, I'm obsessed with them. And the best hot wings in the state of Wyoming are from the Winget Food Truck. They travel around the state, going from town to town. All you have to do is go to their Facebook page, The Wing It Food Truck, or go to CowboyStatePolitics.com and look underneath the Sponsors tab, and you'll find their schedule there. You know, I personally recommend the Garlic Parmesan Wings. They're absolutely amazing, but they've got several other different flavors, not just hot wings or garlic parmesan. You'll find exactly what you've been missing this entire time. So go to the website, CowboyStatePolitics.com, and look underneath the Sponsors tab. And that way, you can plan your entire week around where the Winget food truck is going to be. I get it. Actual summer was really kind of short in Wyoming. And we all know what that means. Fall is on the way. And with it comes some pretty unpredictable temperatures. You need to be prepared for all of it. Sometimes we have all four seasons in the same week. One of the best ways that you can do that is to get a nice warm hat from New Trend Hats. They have a wide variety of hats for both men and women, and they're sure to keep those ears of yours nice and toasty warm. So go to their website, NewTrendHats.com, and make sure you're prepared for whatever is coming. And now, the conclusion to the program. Inexplicably, President Joe Biden doesn't want to talk about the fire in Maui. I don't know how that you could even how that you could be the president of the United States and not want to talk about it, not want to hop on your jet and be the first person in Maui to observe all of the devastation. I don't know. I don't know any president who who would even hesitate at doing that. Even George Bush was in his jet looking over Katrina. I mean, I it, it boggles the mind. Of course, a lot of things that Joe Biden does, I mean, actually make no sense whatsoever. But here's a soundbite of what he had to say um, about Maui. And it's hard to hear in the soundbite, but basically he says no comment when the reporter asks him to comment on Maui. But here it is. Officials say a thousand people are still missing. President Joe Biden was asked about the devastation while near his beach home in Delaware. He had this to say. Let's watch. Will you come talk about the Hawaii response, Mr. President? Biden's comments outraged some on the Internet. Monica Crowley, a former Trump assistant secretary for public affairs at the Treasury, tweeted, Biden doesn't give an F about the suffering people or Maui of Maui or the suffering people of East Palestine, Ohio, or the suffering people in border towns or the suffering of people anywhere in America. Last week, Biden declared a major disaster on Maui, pledging that the federal response will ensure that, quote, anyone who's lost a loved one or whose home has been damaged or destroyed is going to get help immediately. 
Yeah, people really were asking the question, you know, this is not a toughie. This is not a complicated foreign policy question. It's not really even a gotcha. It's just, do you have anything to say about this kind of historic uh, devastation that's happened to Americans in Maui? And, you know, the no comment, a comment he's given apparently in a couple of times when asked about Maui, does seem a little off, a little heartless. Well, sure, it doesn't. A little heartless seems a lot heartless to me. I, you know, before I started doing this program and before I started paying attention to politics as much as I do, I used to think that you couldn't be president of the United States and not be one of the most patriotic people that, you know, anybody has ever seen. I just, I just didn't think that you could do that, that how you could sit behind the resolute desk and not love this country and all of the people in it. I don't believe that anymore. You know, I've watched the Democrats and this president do way too much to this country uh, to, to believe that anymore. I mean, I've taken off my rose colored glasses. And, you know, it, once you do that, you see these people for who they actually are. Here's another one. Biden says he's just looking into what's happening in Maui. This one's, again, kind of hard to hear, but you might be able to pick it up. Okay, the president's looking at it. Jason Chaffetz with us this morning. Uh, frankly, Jason, I was expecting a more forceful. They're looking at it. I mean, I'm sure the rest of the country is. So why wouldn't they be looking at it? It's absolutely astounding. I mean, I I, I can't can't believe some of the things that are coming out of of this administration. It absolutely blows my mind. Well, it's not just people in the administration. It's folks in Congress, too. Joaquin Jeffries, who is the minority minority leader um, in the House, said uh, in an article from Breitbart entitled, People Haven't Paid Full Attention to Biden's Economic Accomplishments. And I quote, on Wednesday's broadcast of PS, PMS NBC's The Last Word, House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries stated that the more voters all across the country will begin to pay attention to President Joe Biden's accomplishments on the economy as the election gets closer. After Jeffries talked about the Inflation Reduction Act, which didn't have anything to do with inflation, host Lawrence o O'Donnell asked, quote, going forward, Joe Biden does seem to be struggling with perception here in being able to convince voters that any of those things have actually been accomplished, which is to say the voter that's the voter that's up for grabs is that voter who doesn't pay close attention to this kind of governing and to the kind of coverage of this kind of governing. And so is there any strategy that is actually workable to reach that voter? Uh, the kind of voter who doesn't actually want to be reached. They don't they don't actively. It's it's like they they make me want to watch golf. Uh, they actually don't want to consume this information. Well, nobody really wants to watch Lawrence O'Donnell. But I, I mean, who would? And nobody really wants to pay attention to Jeffries either. But here's what Jeffries said. Well, the closer we get to the election, the more voters all across the country will begin to pay attention. But members of the House Democratic Caucus during this August district work period spread out all across the country have been doing events in communities in the neighborhoods uh, that we are privileged to represent to highlight the progress that we have made on their behalf in a variety of different areas. Whether that's standing up for our veterans through the PACT Act, blah, 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 blah. None of it is true. The only thing that the Democrats can do is lie to their constituents. 
which I mean, I suppose if you're a politician and your lips are moving, everybody knows that you're lying. Here's another one. Chuck U. Schumer with Joe Scarborough. Now, you're going to hear Joe Scarborough uh, go on for a while. But eventually, Chuck Schumer is going to say that nobody's going to remember what happened six or eight months ago. Here it is. Mr. Majority Leader, thanks so much for being with us. Just, I, I think if you want to sum to up the economy right now and how bogus the attacks are against uh, against what, what Joe Biden and 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 senate have done to help the economy along all you have to do is look at what the economists right now as of yesterday most economists fear the most in the future and it's two things one that china's economy is weakening too quickly and that will have right. impact on exports imports and two that the united states economy is too strong not making this up china's is too weak america's is too strong and they're afraid it's going to grow keep growing so fast that we're going to have inflation again because it's so robust i mean these are problems i mean it's it, it's it's remarkable how resilient our economy is isn't it it is. Our economy is doing so well, and it's in good part because of the work we in the Senate and the president did uh, over the last summer. The infrastructure bill, the chips and science bill, and today we're celebrating the one-year anniversary of the IRA. Probably the most significant pieces of legislation that's been passed since the, since the Great Society. And let's just go over what they do. I mean, first, it's the most significant reduction in the amount of carbon going into the atmosphere, the most significant climate legislation we have ever had uh, a 40% reduction by 2030. But that's creating millions of new green jobs, whether it's opening an electric battery factory or as in Wisconsin, making the turbines. And you know, when, it's, when a parent knows their kid, their son or daughter gets a job in one of these industries, they say, that's lasting a long time. That's on into the future. These are good paying jobs. We also reduce costs. For the first time, we were able to go after pharma. We no help from the Republicans. Insulin, $35. Starting in January, no one's going to pay more than $3,000 out of their pocket for prescription drugs. A year later, it'll go down to $2,000. That's a huge cost reduction, as is the cost of buying an appliance, remodeling your home in a green way, getting uh, heat, heat conductors. All of these things are going to have lower costs. And at the same time, we did raise some taxes on the very wealthy, the corporations who didn't pay and put half of that money into inflation reduction. Republicans always talk about, you know, the deficit, but they always increase it by just cutting taxes on the wealthy. We did just the opposite. So this is a huge bill now. Is it on the lips of everybody? No, but just what you saw yesterday in Wisconsin mm. is happening every week in so many of the states. Ribbons are being cut as bridges are being built. Factories are opening, new jobs. I can't take it anymore. This guy lies so much, and so do all of the Democrats. Let me give you an example. From, from Bloomberg News and Business Insider. So <laughs> there's no way those two people are going to publish something if they're not something like I'm about to read to you, if it's not actually true. Here's the headline. An $11 trillion wealth wipeout has set the world back for the first time since 2008, thanks to a trifecta of high inflation interest rates and currency decline. And I quote, a trifecta of inflation, ri rising interest rates and currency depreciation squeezed global wealth last year for the first time since 2008. 
By the end of 2022, total global household wealth dropped 2.4% or $11.3 trillion. Meanwhile, average individual wealth also slumped by 3.6% or $3,198. Wealth evolution proved resilient during the COVID-19 era and grew at a record pace during 2020. But inflation, rising interest rates, and currency depreciation caused a reversal in 2022. While this outcome represents a break in the almost uninterrupted expansion of household wealth in this country, it is less of a departure than it may appear at first sight. Further examination reveals that wealth losses are heavily concentrated among richer nations in Europe, North America, and Asia Pacific, and affect financial assets much more than non-financial assets. So, the Democrats are saying that our economy is booming and everything is doing fantastic. Really? Well, why did global wealth decrease by $11 trillion? Everything they're saying is a lie. And there's no, there's no getting around it. The only thing they can do is continue to lie to their constituents. But then again, they're politicians. So what else, are you, what else can you expect them to do? Well, that'll about do it for today's installment of Cowboy State Politics Live. Have a good rest of your week, and we'll talk again on Saturday during Weekend Update. But for now, from the Cowboy State Politics Northern Command Studio in Sheridan, Wyoming, I'm David Iverson, and this is Cowboy State Politics.